We are continuing our series through the book of 1 Peter. Last week we looked at the end part of 1 Peter 1 and we found there the strong sense of identity, who we are in Christ. And as we move into chapter 2, we continue in that theme of what it means to be in Christ, what it means for our sense of identity, what it means for our sense of self. So I called this past this sermon, uh, Peculiar People. Uh, now, there's no place to put that title, so you may not have known that, but um, it comes from uh, chapter 2, verse 9, where in the King James Version, where it, we read God's special possession, the King James translated it, a peculiar people. And that point, the point of that was not to say strange people, but different people, people who are different from the world, people who have a different sense of identity within themselves because of what Jesus Christ has done. So we have to establish who we are in Christ. And the first point I want to make is that we are indeed established in Christ. Our identity is in him. And as Peter um, referred to the empty ways of the world around us in, in, the, in chapter 1, he said, the empty ways handed down by our ancestors. He's saying, don't put your hope there. Don't put your trust there. Don't find yourself molded into the world's way of doing things, but know that you are different from the world because you are in Christ. Earthly things are temporary. In, at the end of chapter 1, uh, Peter quotes Isaiah as saying this, All people are like grass, and their glory like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. In other words, anything we put our hope in that is temporal, that is of this world only, will end up failing us. But if we put our hope in the word of God, we will know the eternality of that hope. It will not disappoint us. It will not put us to shame. We will be with Christ forever. And now, as we prepare for that, we are to know how established we are in Christ and have our sense of identity in that truth. And in verse 1 of chapter 2, we read this, Therefore, because of your identity in Christ, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. What Peter is saying here is, if you are confident in your relationship with Jesus Christ, then you will have no place in you, no need for things like malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, or slander. Because what do those things come from? Those things come from measuring yourself by your own standards or measuring yourself by the world standard, measuring yourself against someone else so that you feel envy, measuring yourself against your own standards so that you feel like you have to lie about who you are. All of these things come from establishing ourselves in ourself and not in Jesus Christ. And when we know that we are loved, that we are accepted, that our eternal life is guaranteed because of what Christ has done, because we know that we are valued, we do not need to 
compare ourselves to anyone else. We do not, therefore, need to envy anyone. We do not need to feel inadequate in any way because, once again, the measure is not ourself. The measure is what Jesus Christ has done for us. There is no need for us to practice self-protection or comparison with others. Your identity, your value, your salvation are assured because of what Christ has done for you. Established in Christ, then growing in Christ. And Peter paints a, a very uh, strong image here, a strong uh, image of a baby, a baby craving the milk of its mother. In verse 2, like newborn babies crave spiritual milk. And what he's saying is not a descriptive thing, but a teaching. You are to crave spiritual milk. You are to seek out that that nourishment that comes from your relationship with God, just as a baby seeks out the milk from his or her mother. We are called to feed on the Word of God, feed on our relationship with God. And notice the intimacy of this image. A baby craves pure spirit, the, the mother's milk. We are to crave the nourishment that comes from God. In other words, we are to seek out that relationship with God, seek out that growing that relationship so we become more and more confident in what Christ has accomplished for us. And therefore, your confidence in your walk with God is not in you and in how well you do anything. It is in the accomplished work of Jesus Christ. And when you crave this pure spiritual milk, when you crave the, the deepening and strengthening of this relationship, you're, what you're doing is feeding what is already true, feeding your uh, understanding and belief in what, what is already true. And what a wonderful thing it is to become more and more and more confident in what Christ has done for you. And as we grow in Christ, it is um, through that relationship with God, but it is also our purpose. We are, as it says in verse 5, like living stones being built into a spiritual house. Being built. Notice the passive voice. Notice that God is at work within us to build us together into that spiritual house. And what is a spiritual house? A spiritual house is the place where people go to find God. People in the Old Testament went to the temple. The temple was the place where they believed and where God indeed did live. They went to the temple to find God. Now, in the days of COVID-19, when I'm speaking to you from my kitchen and I am not seeing your faces and we are not gathered in the same building, it, we are reminded that this connection we have, this being built together is something that God is doing by God's Holy Spirit within us and uh, bringing us together in a, in a spiritual and wonderful and real way but not in a building right now, and never really 
is the church the building. The church is the people of God being built together to be faithful to God and to do the work of the kingdom of God in this world. And we are built on the cornerstone, which is Jesus Christ. The cornerstone gives a building its shape. They looked for the most right angle they could find. In fact, if you didn't have an exact right angle to use as your cornerstone, your building would be off. It wouldn't be straight. And they looked for a strong stone upon which to build the building. Jesus is our cornerstone. He gives our lives direction. He gives our lives purpose. And when we trust in him, we find that purpose. When we build our lives on him, we find that our lives have eternal purpose. Our lives have eternal value. And yet, not everyone believes this. And I noticed uh, as, as I've been preaching through 1 Peter, Peter is speaking to believers. And I have been preaching as to believers in these messages thus far. But there are those who are not believers. There are no, those to whom these messages do not apply. And I would encourage you to consider, where are you in this? Peter quotes Psalm 118, 20 and verse 7 the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. He quotes Isaiah 8, 14 in verse 8, a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. There are those who do not trust this cornerstone and those people will not understand your commitment to Jesus Christ. But as it says in this passage, that commitment to Jesus Christ will make sure that you are not put to shame. The day will come when the whole world will know that God's truth is true. That what we have believed is a solid foundation for life now and forever. So we are those who value this stone. In verse 7, the stone is precious to us. We are built on this stone. offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. The cornerstone of Jesus Christ, as it says in verse 6, quoting Isaiah 28, 16, the one who trusts in him, the one who builds, who allows God to build on this, their life on this stone is one that will not be put to shame. We are established in Christ, we are growing in Christ, and we are connected in Christ. This passage paints a very beautiful picture of what it means to be part of the church of Jesus Christ. We are given a whole new identity, not just individually, but corporately. And we find uh, some amazing descriptors of that in verses 9 and 10. You are a chosen people. Together, we are a chosen people. We are a royal priesthood. In other words, what was, the, what was the priest about? The priest was about mediating between God and humanity. We as the royal priesthood are those 
who are citizens of the kingdom of God, citizens of heaven, who mediate between God and humanity. In other words, we share the message of God with humanity. We pray for those around us to God, for them. We mediate this relationship between God and humanity and hopefully bring others into relationship with God. We are a holy nation. We are set apart. Our identity is in our primary identity is that we are citizens of the kingdom of God. If there's anything else that, that you hold on to as your sense of who you are that eclipses who you are in Jesus Christ, I encourage you, put that aside. Your primary identity is in Jesus Christ. He gets to define who you are. We are God's special possession. And that's where we are peculiar people, according to the King James Version. But it is a wonderful thought, is it not, that you are special? That together we are special? Together we are the people of God. Together God has called us to be his people in the world, representing him. And in a bit, we'll be gathering at the Lord's table. Um, we'll be celebrating the sacrament of communion, each in our own place. But that sacrament is an image of us gathering together. It is an image of a meal. It's as if Jesus says, would you like to come to my place and share a meal? It's our connectedness in him. And through that sacrament, we believe that God moves in us to draw us into deeper fellowship with him. God moves within us to draw us into deeper fellowship with each other. So as we come to this table, we know that we are together with God and together with each other as the people of God set apart to declare his praises, set apart to declare his truth, set apart to shine the light of the kingdom of God into this world. May it be. Amen.